0: let's stop a moment and go back to step one step number one we take only once that's the door to AA and lots of guys and gals open the door and slam it and run they'll be back (laughs) they'll be back someday however we do remind ourselves of this first step every day we begin each day Asking God for the courage to live that day and the sobriety to go through those those 24 hours. We make a contract of sobriety with Almighty God. Now, I don't know how you do that or if you do that. I'm only going to tell you what my sponsor used to tell us. And I remember he used to tell us, and he didn't mince any words either. One thing about Dorshear and my sponsor, he was honest, through and through. But when he put his chin out, he meant it. He says, well, gentlemen, I'll tell you what, I do it. He says, you know, I get up first thing in the morning, I get down on my knees. Now, he says, gentlemen, the reason I get on my knees is because to me, that is an attitude of humility. And then I ask God to give me the grace of sobriety for 24 hours. Then I ask God for his will. And that's my first thing every day, a contract of sobriety for 24 hours. Doing that, we are repeating the first step, although we only take it once, we are bringing it back to our consciousness. And that's where a lot of fellows and gals get into trouble. They lose the sense of need. They come to AA, they get their jobs back, they get their friends back, then they drift away from AA, They drift away from this contract of sobriety and suddenly they forget what sort of people they are. And the occasion comes up for a little drink, (laughs) a little beer, or an emotional setup which reminds us of a little drink or a little beer. We have no defense to throw up. Whereas if I've told myself once more today, I can't drink. And I've asked God for the strength to be sober today, and I'm around AA, believe me, instead of reaching for the drink, I don't care what happens, I'll reach for the phone, and I'll contact somebody in AA, or I'll reach for God and ask his assistance. I remember one fella in Indianapolis who uh, had not too much knowledge of God when he came to AA. And we have the poker chip idea of uh, sobriety there. We give a new fellow a poker chip for three months, a white one, then a red one, then a blue one, then a silver one for a year, after a year. So this fellow was given a poker chip. and He was told, now, if you're tempted to drink, either throw it away or call someone or say a prayer. So one day he was on a, sale, a selling uh, tour in another town, and he had a very bad day of it came back to his car he had a flat tire by that time he was getting all upset and resentful and he reached in his pocket to get the keys to the car and here comes this poker chip out he squeezed it he said so hard that it was bent and he thought to himself well anyhow I'm going to get a drink in the next town so he went over to the next town drove up to the tavern put his hands in his pocket again and uh, what came up with this poker chip And he said for the first time in his life, he breathed an honest prayer for help. And he says to this day, this is the way he used to tell us, that day he had never taken another drink. He died last year after about 14 years of sobriety. In other words, this constant reminder of me that I can't drink today. Then step two to nine, that puts us on the probe. That gets rid of the past, adjusts the present, puts the future in the hands of God. Then we are ready to live the program in steps 10, 11, and 12. Those are the steps we take day in and day out. You know, there's a lot of guys and gals who say, You know, I take all 12 steps every day. (laughs) Well, you can't do that. (laughs) That's kind of a screwy program if you can. (laughs) No, 10, 11, and 12 tell us there's a repeated inventory, there's repeated prayer and meditation, there's repeated and continuing 12-step activity. Now let's take tonight step number 10. In step number 10 we say continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Now why do we have this step? In step number 4 we took a general inventory and we found uh, an awful mess. Let's be honest. Now, we don't want that to happen again. So in order to prevent our thinking to become stinking and stinking thinking to become drinking thinking, and all this to start up again, every day we're going to take a few moments of inventory to check on ourselves, to ask ourselves, where are we going, and how are we doing, and what are we doing to get there? Continue. This is a continuing action of the living of the AA program. Now how do we take this inventory? As uh, we saw in the fourth step, we wrote out the inventory of our past, but that was because there was so much for so many years that we had to write it out in order to get a good look at ourselves. Now in this inventory, we don't have to write it out. It's not suggested to. In fact, we only take a few moments each day and ask ourselves, what have I done today? What have I done with these 24 hours? Now spiritual writers for centuries have given us a way to work this inventory. And they have told us to take our biggest fault and work on it. And if we improve in that regard, we will automatically improve in all the other areas of our living. Why? Because the soul is a simple substance. You cannot split the soul. That's the reason the split personality is such a mess. (laughs) The person is trying to do something he can't do. The soul is a simple substance and cannot be divided. Philosophy tells us that. Therefore, if I improve in the virtue of honesty, I'm going to improve in all the other virtues along with it. So if my biggest problem is dishonesty, and I work every day at going out of my way to be honest, I will automatically improve in all the other areas of my living. In other words, pick out my biggest fault. The only difficulty with this method is that it's awfully monotonous. As we said a moment ago, it's going to take a lifetime to change this guy we call us. And therefore, every day for years to work on one fault is awfully monotonous. It's called the monotony of the spiritual life. But I'm going to throw out for whoever wants it a novel idea. And I'll guarantee you it's just as efficient and as effective. But I don't think it's nearly so monotonous And this is called the poker chip method Now the way you do it You go buy yourself a box of poker chips Maybe you won't have to do that I don't know But you take those poker chips And on the back of the Or on one side of these poker chips You write all of the virtues And on the other side You write all the opposite of these virtues Including emotional disturbances, mental conflicts, any other individual problem that might be ours. Write the opposite on the other side. Take that box. You might need two boxes. I don't know by the time we get finished. <laughs> put that on your table or on your in chiffonier. I don't care where you put it. Shake it up. In the morning, pick one out, and then go out of your way once during that day to perform an action. Of that virtue. That's as simple as it works. You may get the same one seven days on running, I don't know, but you probably need it. <laughs> so if I pick out for instance the habit of uncharity, maybe I have very great difficulty with being uncharitable in my talk and in my thinking.
1: Or if I happen
0: to pick that uh, poker chip out and it tells me on the other side Charity, fraternal love of my fellow man. So I'm going to look someone up whom I don't like (laughs) and be nice to him. Now that's difficult, but it works. It really does. Or honesty. I find on the other side of dishonesty, honesty. So I go out of my way to be honest in some particular circumstance on that day and so on with all the other virtues. As I say, it's, it's not nearly as monotonous a, as the uh, age-old traditional way of doing it, of taking your biggest fault and working on it day in and day out, but it does do the job, and it's amazing what it will accomplish. I'll guarantee anyone that if they use this for one year, you will be amazed at yourself. You won't even recognize yourself in the mirror except the first thing in the morning. (laughs) But you know why that is? Because after all, each day is a beginning again. Each day is initiating adjustment again to reality. That's the reason it's so hard to get up every morning. It'll be that way till you're dead. (laughs) Because we are beginning again. Now, we should not expect, therefore, too fast improvement. Because if we do, we're liable to go off on the tangent of what we call spiritual pride. And that's the most diabolical of all. A fellow in our group one time pulled me aside, and he said, Say, Father, you're not doing your job around here. This has been many years ago. I said, Oh, I'm not. No, Father, you're not. He says, they're so-and-so, and and they're so-and-so. They're Catholics. They're not back to church. You ought to get them and make them go back to church. I said, I should? He said, yes, Father. I said, well, I'll tell you something. I've been a priest many years, been in AA a number of years. You know, I found out you can't make anybody do anything they're not ready to do. According to AA philosophy, we work on ourselves and make us ready to help or to give encouragement when we are asked. Well, no, Father, he said, you're wrong. I said, I am. Yes, he said, you take me for example now. He says, I go home every night. I teach my wife catechism. I teach my children catechism. I go to church every day. In fact, I've made up my mind that anything I set my mind to, I can do. I said, oh, you can. Yes, sir. So I told uh, my friend who was with me that night, I said, keep your eye on John. His name was John Doe, too. (laughs) and we did and he did (laughs) he disappeared over the line into Mexico here about 8 years ago as far as we know he has no family nothing left maybe he's not even alive I don't know spiritual pride in other words we realize that we're increasingly adjusting to life we're becoming so much better people then we begin to take the credit. And that's the danger. You know, that's the reason I think some of these inventories you find around the groups are a little dangerous. You've seen those. It has the faults on one side and the good points on the other. And it says, ask yourself each day, how am I doing in each one? The difficulty is, if I'm doing fine, I'm liable to go off on the tangent of pride. And if I'm not doing so well, I'm liable to get full of self-pity. Whereas the only thing I should ask myself is, did I try? Am I willing? Now I mentioned in one of the other steps, and I'm going to mention it again, I'll mention it again before we take the 12th step. One thing God's not going to ask us when we die. He's not going to ask you whether you succeeded. He's not going to ask you how many medals you won, how many victories you've had, how many diplomas, nor degrees, nor money. No, he's only going to ask you how many scars have you got. How many times did you try? How willing are we? God doesn't want our strength. He doesn't need our strength. He needs our willingness. He gave us a free will. If we are willing, that's all he asked. Are we willing? So in this working on ourselves, we may work on ourselves for 10 years and find ourselves just as bad as we were 10 years ago. But if we can honestly say we have tried each day, to begin again anew, then we have nothing to worry about. Nothing to uh, worry about because God's only going to ask us how we played the game, not whether we won or lost. You know, the success of all these things are in the hands of God. Ours is only the footwork. Now then, in this step, we say, when we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. Now that wrong, that term means moral wrong, mental mishap or conflict, emotional upset, resentment, self-pity, anger, anything that might disturb us in a way that might cause us to crave a drink. And it tells us, promptly admit it. Get a hold of somebody. Talk it out. Oh, so many slip because they hold to themselves these emotional disturbances, these resentments, these difficulties. One person was telling me the other night She says, oh father, she says, if I call an AA I don't want to bother him I'm not bothering him If you're bothering him, he shouldn't be an AA <laughs> You're helping him stay sober by calling him And therefore to get rid of it Because we're alcoholics We cannot tolerate these emotional disturbances We must get rid of them Or else if we don't, you know what's going to happen It's going to grow and grow and grow inside And someday, sooner or later It's going to blossom and bloom in the four beautiful roses. (laughs) When we were wrong, promptly admitted it. We don't ask when the other guy was wrong. In other words, if I get angry at somebody, I don't worry what he did. It makes no difference to me whether he was justified or not. I am wrong in getting angry. I am wrong in staying resentful. I am wrong in reacting to life circumstances in a way. A child acts. That makes me immature. But what is worse, being an alcoholic, if I continue that, it's going to cause me to crave alcohol. Because whether I like it or not, there's an automatic tie-up now in the alcoholic between these emotional disturbances and the craving for alcohol. Therefore, if I permit myself to become upset, resentful, full of self-pity, or any such thing too frequently or for too long a period of time, I am going to drink again. And that's one thing we don't want to do. So there we have step number seven, eight, nine, and 10. Just a few more instances that are given to us, opportunities, if you want to call them that, to adjust to life, to sober life, to happy life, to living as God intended us. And that's happiness. That's serenity. And may God grant you all much, much serenity. Thanks for listening.